everybody? This is Urkar Beliars. No, it's not. This is Urkar Beliars' last show, though. And I have the... Uh, my name is Steve Bonspil, for those who don't know me. Um, I have the pleasure of hosting Urkar's last show, and I feel very humbled. Thank you, Urkar. Um, let's get into your bio here, which you usually read, which is kind of strange that I'm going to be reading it, don't you think? <laughs> He's just sitting there laughing. Um, Urkar is an award-winning Mohawk journalist, writer, poet, and radio activist from Montreal who has been working at CKUT 90.3 FM that you're listening to now as a journalist, producer, and host of Native Solidarity News for 13 years. He's currently writing his first graphic novel while producing hard-hitting First Nations radio documentaries. So let's get right into it, Urkar. Why did you choose to retire? Um, I think this was, uh, this has been a long time coming. Um, I don't know. Um, it's, uh, I, I kind of made the decision a few months ago that, um, this has been really the culmination of a, a change that I've been going through over the last three and a half years. And, uh, I've been fighting a great deal of my own personal battles over the last three and a half years. Um, finally confronting, uh, the abuse that was, uh, was happening to me in my life and, uh, realizing that there was a lot of toxicity in my life and I just needed to change. So three and a half years ago, I just, I, I had my wake up and I just decided that that's it. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to turn my life around. I want thing. I want, be, I want better things in my life. Mm-hmm. So it started, it started with like, just like tearing my life apart and shattering the mirror and picking up the pieces that I wanted to keep and the pieces that I didn't want, I just tossed over my shoulder. And I just was like, this this is going to become the new base of my life. Right. And I wanted just to, I want, also wanted to heal, but I just, because there was so much, there were so many issues in my life where I was facing um, such negative and, and toxic people in my life, um, those were the first people to go. I was finally able to recognize the what was wrong with my life and find, it's like someone uh, taking the gauze off uh, off your eyes, right. you know, and you're able to finally see everything that you uh, that you've been wanting to see. And, and I think let me just stop you there because for those of you who have Urkar on Facebook, um, you shared a lot of things, a lot of interesting um, and, and at times um, you know scary things that made you mm-hmm. vulnerable. Uh, but I think from that transition, you also found your voice uh, writing poetry. You found your voice as you know, you're writing it in so many different ways that um, you're, you're able to bring out those struggles and your life into onto Facebook. Of course, other ways too, uh, talking to your friends. But I saw a big change. I saw that you know something in you where you had this pain, you had this this maybe call it a secret, mm-hmm. uh, and other things that you were dealing with, and then you came out and you said, "I'm not going to live like this anymore." Exactly. I know. I. Um I think my writing is what really helped me turn the corner when it came to dealing with my with my pain and dealing with the abuse that I had, uh, I had been facing. But also I just was, I also realized that it was also an avenue that my writing could take me somewhere where I never thought I could. I, I, I never thought about being a poet. 
I never thought about it. But then I interviewed uh, and and had conversations with Kim Dominic Ferguson, who does Soul Perspectives, uh, from seven to uh, to eight thirty, and uh, interviewing Malika Wary from Toronto. Uh, who's a fantastic spoken word artist, and of course Janet Rogers, who's a poet laureate. Mm. So when I when I wrote my for, uh, one of my first poems, and we hope she's listening, by the way, I'm really hoping she's listening. If not, I'm I'm definitely going to tag her when I when I <laughs> put this uh, show on the on the SoundCloud uh, because I needed to know if I actually had any talent. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to if you want to know if you're going to have talent go to the people who actually know what uh, what they're talking about. Right. And I sent um I sent you actually one of my first uh, my first poems and I sent Janet my, one of my first poems and I said what do you think of this and you read it and you went holy crap and mm-hmm. you just was like and I said okay so I'm on to something here so I started uh and I'm going to read a few to, uh, later on in the hour but um that kind of the, my writing and my creativity is something is one of the culminations of the change mm-hmm. for me is like i've noticed i was able to notice a lot of the um, the problems that i faced in my life and that was um whenever i got comfortable mm-hmm. that's when i started making mistakes that's when things started to go wrong and i realized that i'm only, i'm as I'm only as good as I can be when there's a fire under my ass. Mm-hmm. And until that happens, I'm like, no, I'm going to stagnate and I'm going to. And I have a philosophy that is like, I'm 46 years old, but I don't act my age and I never will. Mm-hmm. For the one reason is because if you, when you start acting your age, that's when you st- stagnation starts uh, setting in. Right. And I'm never going to act my age. So um, three and a half years ago, that fire was lit under my ass and I just radically changed my life. And my life is fantastic. Is is so much, so much better now. It's like night and day. So um, uh, the jobs that uh, the job that I have, my writing, my confidence, everything has grown. The moment I took off the shackles of abuse and, and toxic, uh, toxic life, um, I was able to just like grow as a human being. And that fire just started becoming a real furnace. So someone ask you, you know, you're at this point in your life where you feel comfortable, you feel good, you're mm-hmm. doing some great things. Why leave now? Because isn't there more to give there, to the there, show? That's the thing. That's the thing about Native Solidarity News is, is Native Solidarity News has been around since 1996, and it's going to go around till 2026, 2056, 2106. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be there. And Urka is going to be around. And I'm going to be around. I'm just going to be just like, (laughs) have to roll me in. But also, I realized I was getting comfortable here. Right. And I can't do that. I can't. can't. Native Solidarity News needed needed fresh blood. Needed fresh ideas. And Wayne Robinson and Trina Slapkoff, who are going to be coming in in a couple of weeks, you're going to get to meet them. Um give them all the love you've given me uh because they are they're two well versed uh, individuals they know what they're talking about and they've got the fire on their asses so go after uh, help them out you know you have some ideas please join uh, join the the facebook page and uh get to know them because they are going to be your host for the foreseeable future so let's get into you know we kind of talked off air about some of the Funny stories, some of the guests, some of the things that uh, you know you've you've had the privilege of 
of seeing, of hearing, of people interviewing uh, on CKUT. But now that you're kind of in the, I mean, this is your last show, man. This yeah. is this is pretty big. Um, give me some kind of a story, you know, some kind of a, a guest, something that happened, something that stuck with you. Uh, definitely Buffy Saint Marie. Uh, when I interviewed her that day, every technical snafu that could happen happened, and I was running up and down the stairs trying to figure it out trying to keep my cool i was losing my shit and i just was like and buffy was the calmest it was like she was practically zen and um you can hear it at the beginning of the interview when um when she starts uh <laughs> when she would <laughs> have like hey Bell, uh, buffy welcome to nato's already news it's the uh, the the enthusiasm in my voice going oh my god everything is working <laughs> And because I had chased her for a couple of months, you know, trying to get a trying to get an interview with her, going through all the the different uh, avenues, going, mm-hmm. hey, no, you have to call this person, you have to call this person, email this person, tell me why you want this person in this email, blah 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 blah. What do you want to talk about? And I, and when I talked about uh, talked to her, um, it was just talking to an idol, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Buffy Saint Marie has been on the scene for God knows how many years, and long before we we were ever pups, you know. And to just like to to hear her voice, to hear her confidence, it's, it was so refreshing. And she was one of just many strong Indigenous women that I had the just the absolute uh, honor of um, of really having a conversation with. And I got to see her at Pop Montreal a few months later. She showed up in town, and I just was like, holy cow, she's here. And um, I got to ask her a question live uh, during the live interview, and she remembered who I was. And I just was like, this is awesome. Buffy St. Marie remembers me. This is so cool. And I got to shake her hand and everything, and it just was truly the number, the pinnacle of of my, my career as a journalist was, was interviewing that woman. She was is a, such a star, such a, mm-hmm. just a, she's a movement. I, I don't think there's anybody in Indian country who would say they don't know her or they don't <laughs> want to see her. If they don't, they, they've been buried underground <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for several decades. Uh, she's 77 now, actually. Can you Holy cow. No, I saw her at Pop Montreal performing, uh, and this was several years ago, so I think she was uh, 71, at, I think, at the time mm-hmm. or something. But when I uh, had the opportunity to see her live, I just was like, holy cow. Because just a few weeks earlier, I saw uh, I was sitting uh, front row, uh, fourth row center to for Tina Turner and her comeback tour. Mm-hmm. And holy cow, the, because the women, uh, both women are around the same age, these women just like they're they don't they don't know what energy is they control yeah. energy like they're, they're like the flash who just controls the speed force you know just they control the energy on stage and it's just so powerful to see uh, to see uh, such a a wonderful wonderful soul and just to be able to to talk to her and andre morisseau who is from imaginative heard the interview and said hercar why don't you um you know, send that in, you know, submit it to Imaginative. And I'm just like, what's Imaginative? Yeah. And I got nominated. It was my first nomination. It was my, I think my, the first time I'd ever been recognized uh, for my work on Native Solidarity News, which was really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And here you are today. Um, getting into more powerful women who yeah. you've talked to over the years. 
I want to kind of tie this into two things. I want to tie it into, of course, Ellen Gabriel, who's been fighting so hard for Gunasadaga land claims. She continues to uh, make sacrifices. She's mm-hmm. a traditional woman. Um, you know, if you want to talk about strength, going back to the 1990 crisis, you talk about her. Uh, and then, you know, talk about the Sisters in Spirit, the, the movement that your first was three years into this show, so 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, you attended, and that, that was when you, you, you talked to Alan. Talk about that. Um, yeah, no, I remember because um, I was doing, I just finished doing a show on on NSN, and I was talking, uh, I was talking about uh, the Highway of Tears, mm. and uh, going, uh, thinking to myself after the show, you know, I'd really like to do something, you know, maybe a vigil or something like that. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what the Sisters of Spirit was. And I just was like, okay, you know, uh, I'll, I'll Google. Google's a, Google's a fantastic tool. And, and I found uh, the Sisters in Spirit. And I just was, what the hell is this? So I checked their website. They had 11 vigils that, that year. It was year two right. of the five-year uh, initiative. And I looked at that and it just was like I called them up because Montreal was not on the list mm-hmm. and I'm like Montreal is a major hub why isn't Montreal on the sure. list so I called them up and I just was like okay I need to check this out why why aren't why aren't you on the uh, doing anything in Montreal if there is anyone could you put me in touch with them I'd like to help out you know what can I do and they said well we have no one doing anything in Montreal we're sorry I says okay now you do <laughs> just like I'm going to do it and this was like eight weeks before uh, before October the fourth. This was like mid uh, mid August. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this because this is what uh, I need to do. This is who I am, and I'm going to do this. And in eight weeks, I just was like flyers and <laughs> all kinds of things, finding a location, getting candles, and all that kind of stuff. And I did it all by myself. And the first was- two years, it was all me. Right. And I just was like, but I need a speaker. And I was, I thought to myself, and uh, I said, I wonder if Ellen Gabriel would come to my vigil. That would be like because I, I, I grew up with with Ellen. You know, sure. I grew up with with the the message that Ellen had out there, mm-hmm. and I'd always tried to model myself um, like like Ellen as an activist, like Ellen. I always wanted to be like Ellen because this was a woman who was not. Not, um, not you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, but you know, she wasn't. It, she wasn't seen just as a woman. She was seen as a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, she was seen she's, as the face a face of the. She was a, seen as a leader, and it just was like I always tried to model myself after her because I think of all the uh, of all all the strong women I've met, and I've met so many thanks to this show. That she was definitely someone I would I, I aspired to be, mm-hmm. and uh, so I sent her an email and she replied. I just was like, "Holy cow!" Ellen Gabriel has just replied and she said, "Yes, I'll join your uh, vigil." And she was there, and I met Ellen Gabriel for the first time, and I can remember giving her a hug, and I just realized maybe that wasn't the right thing to do, <laughs> but it just was like, "Holy cow!" It was, it's Ellen Gabriel, and she spoke, and it just was like. I remember the TV interviews. I remember 1990, and I remember uh, the hell that Mohawk people went through at that time. And it just mm-hmm. was like I was only eight, I was 18 at the time, and I wanted to be there. Yeah. But my mama said no. Like my mama was just was like, "Yeah, you're not going there." It's like <laughs> because my mother, my my late mother, taught me 
that you must learn to speak not with a closed fist, but with an open hand. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you can, you're never going to get anywhere with violence. You're always going to get there through your heart your, and your voice. That's, that's where you're going to get there. Right. And my mom abhorred violence. And I kind of, I'm the same way. I'm a pacifist. And so. Except if, you know. Except if someone really ticks me off or, or, or decides that they're, they're brave enough to take me on. Like you said, you're born angry. I was born angry. <laughs> definitely. You know what, Urkar, let's transition into your poems because we'd like to, uh, you have a couple of poems for us here. Yeah. Like um, you to read on air. They, um, these were um, inspired by, by three people. Uh, the first one is, it was inspired by the Colton Bushy verdict. And when I wrote that, I just was like, um, I was so mad. I was just, yeah. I was pissed. When it, because it came down on a Friday night. And it was, was like, and the sad thing is it came out on a Friday night, you know, it's like uh, during a news dump. Hmm. You know, kind of so like it would get lost in the news. And it just really just, oh, just drove me up the wall. So I just, uh, I, um. I um I just I wrote this out and I just um and I decided I I needed to write uh, write this and I showed it to my roommate and he says wow this is really good you should you should post this you know you should put this out there so um, this is for Colton Bushy because my brother you uh, you left us way way too soon uh, it's called respect is a four letter word there is no respect when one of us is shot. There is no respect when our children are taken away. There is no respect when one of us goes missing or is murdered. There is no respect when we have no drinking water and live in third world shacks. There's no respect when the RCMP break down our doors and throw our elders to the floor. There is no respect when it is, uh, when it is okay for a white man to kill us and the media tells us, uh, tells everyone we are to blame. There is no respect. There's apathy, there's ignorance, there's violence, there's death, there's silence. But there is a voice born every day, a community that continues to grow. There is an elder who continues to teach, and there is a path we must continue to walk. There is a fire in our hearts that will never go out, and those voices born today will teach those born tomorrow that we will never fail because together we will have justice in this life or the next for this path never ends. And when I wrote that, I just was like, my roommate uh, who writes poetry himself uh, commented on it. It just was, uh, hi, Kenneth and Ella, my two roommates who are, <laughs> who've also been uh, uh, really at the part of my, my wake up and my journey and have been very, very supportive of me. And I really want to say thank you to them. Um, but, uh, they've also been very supportive of, of my, my writing, you know, they've been like really pushing me to, to just like, you know, giving me the critical information that I need. So when I wrote that one, I just was like, yeah. And, uh, the second one I wrote is, uh, it's called living the dream. It was, it came out of this, um, it, it happened, uh, the night, uh, after the, the Tina Fontaine verdict, mm-hmm. which was again, like, thank you, justice system. You know, you just kicked us in the teeth and now you're kicking us in the ass. You really, really, really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So um, I had this really um, 
fantastical dream about kind of cyberpunkish uh, queer women of color uh, fighting the white patriarchy uh, in this uh, Thunderdome style uh, battle royale. And I woke up in my brain, which has my creative process does not care what time it is. It could be three o'clock in the morning. It could be two o'clock in the afternoon. If I need to write, I need to write. Mm -hmm. That's how my brain works. So um, this is the second one I, uh, that I wrote. Uh, it's uh, called Living the Dream. I'm living the dream. The dream where women are free, free to explore themselves, be themselves, before the vicious white patriarchy cuts them down for sport. These women are beautiful. These women are fierce. They laugh at the inevitable violence that every one of them will face. They laugh because they know that it cannot last. One by one, their beauty is carved up by the masses to consume. Their sparks swallowed by the holy violence of their male oppressors. The never-ending cycle of youth taken away from the breast of life to be fed to the machine. These beautiful women of color, where society discards them like trash, sold like slaves to white families with picket fences that hide atrocities no women should face. Soulless, loveless, the machine knows what it wants. It wants our beautiful women. It wants our future. The ones who survive are the ones who beat the machine. They become the teachers for the ones taken away to live the dream. And that one is also has Tina Fontaine written all over it because Tina Fontaine was essentially sold to through our foster care system, mm. which is a completely broken system. It's, it's, it's a failure, you know, it, it's, it is such a, a disgusting, um, just damaging system that we have that just chews up our young people. It's true. And, and Tina was a child. I mean, she, Tina she, was a child. And the fact yeah. that Ray, uh, Raymond Cormier got away and, and Gerald Stanley's, that's the thing about these two men is that you got away with crimes outside of the crimes that you were originally accused of. The moment Gerald Stanley stepped off through the, the threshold outside his house with a gun, he was committing a crime, mm -hmm. a crime that he was never convicted of. And then starts shooting wildly in the air. That's dangerous use of a firearm. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's a white person. It's okay. But you know what, Ricardo? I mean, we talk about this all the time. The justice yeah. system has to change. I mean, we, we mm. can't keep going like this. We can't keep having verdicts where, you know, native lives are just tossed aside and, and they're not worth as much as non-natives. No, there's, that's definitely, that is definitely the case. Um, the last one I wrote um, took a little while because I just, um, I, I've, I've kind of found a muse and uh, that muse is James Baldwin. <laughs> I love James Baldwin's voice. Um, James Baldwin's voice, he speaks with a, uh, he spoke with an eloquence that was just, he brought the beauty out of words, if, if that's kind of, if you understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You know, he just, when he spoke, you know, even if he was speaking with, uh, politically, you know, he had this, he had this way of just like, projecting his uh, what he wrote and it just was this just some wonderful wonderful sound you know he, mm -hmm. and he was such a, a a great voice in the civil rights movement so i'm um i'm listening to um james baldwin's uh i am not a negro the the documentary that's on netflix mm -hmm. right now 
I recommend you go uh, that you if you have Netflix, check it out. It's it's really great. That and Thirteenth. Those are two documentaries about African American, the struggle for African Americans in the United States. That you, if you want to understand Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and the, the civil rights movement, those are two films that will completely answer your questions. Um, now, this one is called The Old Man. Um, my father, like myself, you know, I was born angry. My father was, I think, was the source of where that anger came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a long time to understand my father. Because my father is a very quiet man until he loses his shit. Mm. Then he becomes this hurricane of just anger and pain. And I could never understand him. For the longest time, I could never understand him. So I, um, I wrote this because I just wanted to... I wanted to uh, find out how to just like get him to... Uh, get to understanding him uh, and work my way through it. So uh, it's called The Old Man. The old man sits and waits, staring at an empty canvas, a canvas that awaits his thoughts, his fears, his pain, and his love. The old man drifts from thought to thought. At first he sees his cold mother and his distant father. He he sees the train station being leveled by bombs of a madman. He sees himself running through the fields uh, where bodies have fallen the ground wet by the tears of those who survived. He sees himself taken away by those in black black with white collars. He remembers the sting of their violations. He tries to escape, but the scars remain, spreading through his body like a virus. It denies him the uh, speech. It fills him with hate. When the madman's bombs cease to fall, he is allowed to leave a part of him remains in that building of shame. He is not the same when he sees his family again, for the scars remain as well as the shame. The old man stares at, em- at the empty canvas, remembering everything stolen from him, his love, his beauty, his voice. He falls down. Until love reaches out and extends her hand to him, she helps him find his voice, his beauty, his love, She helps him to stand for a time, and the canvas is filled with love and beauty. But the scars remain. Love is not strong enough. She soon becomes overwhelmed. His pain, his shame, forces her to to flee. He is alone once again. His canvas is empty again. His voice starts to die. He starts to cry. He falls. He cannot heal, for he knows not how. Years go by, and his canvas remains dry. The scars remain until one day. There is a knock at the door. It is the old man's son with scars of his own. The son tells his father that he forgives him, that he may have scars, but they do not define him. His father begins to cry, for no one ever told him that forgiveness was allowed. The shame had taught him that, The son tells him that he can heal once he begins to forgive himself. How, says the old man. Speak, says the son. Speak until your scars have no power. So he begins to speak, and the colors begin to appear. And soon the canvas is filled with green meadows and blue skies exploding across the canvas. 
All the while the man is speaking, he talks about the madman and his bombs. He talks about the men in black with white collars and the soldiers weeping for their lost friends. About the love that tried to rescue him. Soon the canvas fills the room in the image, images of beauty and color. The beauty that was trapped in his soul. The beauty that is now free. The old man begins to cry and his son asks why. These are not tears of pain, says the father, but of disappointment. I'm an old man, he says. I've been a prisoner for so long, but today you are not, says the son. Today you are free. The father smiles. What is it, his son asks. I need another canvas, for tomorrow is another day. And that is was my dad. It's just powerful stuff, man. Um, my dad was... Um, was uh, fr uh, stuck in the war and trapped uh, behind uh, enemy lines for a little while when they were bombing Belgium. Because I'm half Belgian, I'm half Mohawk, but because my father was not such an, uh, a part of my life, I really just like, I latched onto the Mohawk heritage that I have. Mm -hmm. And, but he was very, he had, he, they called it shell shock back in those days, but now it's, it's PTSD. Yeah, and back, but, and back then it was like you know just you know just walk it off you know, exactly. You know, Ugh, what are you, you man up? You know man yeah, up. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's that's how a lot of mental illness was treated for so long, and so many lives have been lost because the way society treated mental illness. Mm -hmm. And my dad's a great great painter, but um, me just talking to him and and trying to find get that. Um, Get through to him was uh, was definitely something that uh, was an accomplishment for me. Mm -hmm. But nowadays he's he paints and he paints and he paints and he paints. He, he the man is like a factory. <laughs> he loves to paint. I think and and that's that's what the uh, that's what the, the the poem was about. It's it's about um, him using his art as kind of like a, a blanket to cover mm -hmm. the atrocities that he's seen in his life. Yeah. Uh, so we're gonna we're taking a musical break, right? Yeah, you're not supposed to say that you're not the host. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the host, right? Uh, yeah, we're gonna listen to some of your favorite artists, including Buffy St. Marie, and uh, take a little bit of a break. I think maybe we might want to take, if anybody wants to call in, five one four 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 eight forty thirteen four zero one three. Usually you don't get callers, right? But uh, you know, no. it's Urkar's last show, so you never know. But uh, <laughs> let's do a little bit of a musical break first, and then we'll come back. All right. Yeah. 
trying to do a little bit of Facebook Live, which we're going to get our friend over here who's working the board. Um, and, uh, Abby, I want to thank you very much for, uh, for being on the, for being our tech today. Yeah, it's really an honor. Like, I've been listening to your show since I've been listening to CKUT, so, yeah, and, uh, well, it's and nice to, that I... to hear the poetry, I'm sure people are, are feeling that, uh, the listeners, to just be appreciative that you, that you shared that. Yeah, it doesn't... Amazing writing, uh... amazing writing, powerful. <clears throat> Well, it's taken uh, 46 years for me to, to get to this point. So. Yeah, a lot of creativity and, and strength. Yeah, it's amazing. You're here now, man. So uh, if you want to queue up the Facebook Live, we'll do, uh, if it's still, is it still open the phone? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit of a double live, <laughs> Facebook Live in the, in the radio, if you're listening. Um, so we have Urkar Beliars here for his last show after 13 years, CKUT. I'm your host, Steve Bonspiel. Uh, I never thought I'd say that with Urkar. It's usually him asking me questions on his show. But uh, we had some fun over the years, haven't we? Oh, God, yes. No, 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 look, we got, to, we got to share. One of the funniest stories was an imaginative story. It was pretty fun. Actually, there's two that I can think of, One, <laughs> both of which we talked about off the air. And one exactly. involves uh, certain... CBC Indigenous Journalist, which you Exactly. Say. You know, we're not going to say his name, but, you know, he is the... We'll just say he's the, say, the founder of Walking Eagle News. <laughs> oh, uh, he, hi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tag you later. Uh, oh, yes, we're so going to tag you later for this. Uh, but I think that was such a great trip, though. It was. That was an awesome we trip. We saw a tribe called Red. We saw a tribe called Red. Um uh, I think I got to meet an owl for the first time there uh, at that time, too. Nope, that wasn't the time because that was about maybe a year before we met. So that was about maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was the first Imaginative that we went to together. Yeah. And Imaginative, for people who don't know, is uh, an awesome... Um, well, film and media arts, uh, documentary, so many amazing things that, that come together in Toronto every year in October. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all native talent and, and a lot of things, amazing things have come out of it. And, uh, you know, you talked about it before getting nominated 
years ago and uh, we ended up I don't even remember how we planned it I think you were just you were submitting and you said you know what uh, we should go and, and we're kind of looking for a hotel and it was a little bit of a last minute thing so we kind of found whatever we could uh, we got a ride there actually yep. And uh, we even checked out, that was the first time I was checking out uh, Airbnb. And uh, Oh, yeah, that was we, a mistake. <laughs> we, we, we submitted, we said, oh, we're um, two guys looking to stay at a place uh, in Toronto for Airbnb. Uh, that doesn't work. So <laughs> they, wouldn't, they wouldn't accept us. They were like, okay, whatever. We will find a hotel Yeah, we found, we found a hotel and ended up sleeping in the same bed. That is he true. snores. That is true. Oh, we my no, God. We, we originally thought that they said two double beds at least. We got there, and there was uh, probably a maximum a queen. And I'm like, okay, Eric, are you stay on your side. I'll stay on my side. And oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and we had a snore fest because I snore, too. I can peel paint off walls. That's how bad it was. But, yeah, no, that was a great weekend. That was, was fun. Just, because I was nominated for Forgotten Voices. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I did for recon- uh, res- uh, recognizing reconciliation, uh, which was something uh, that was part of uh, the NCRA's uh, initiative for uh, recognizing stories from the residential schools. Yeah, and and I think the cool part about that was you had this forum where people could go in, and even if they miss your presentation that yeah. year, they could listen to all the radio docs, including uh, from Janet Rogers. And, um, and I think that, you know, people were, were learning as they, because the thing is you go to a, a festival like that and you expect to, okay, you know, you, you watch movies, you watch documentaries and you're entertained, but there's a certain intensity about radio. Oh, there's no question. Um, when I created forgotten voices, I wanted, I didn't want to do your traditional, what do you think about this? How do you feel about that? You know, mm-hmm. I've never been the traditional kind of journalist, uh, and I never will be. It just, it's something that I, I believe in conversation. I believe in having talks, you know. Um, I've watched a lot of, like, uh, interviews on Letterman and t- The Tonight Show, and I, I love the conversation mm-hmm. between the host and, and the guest because I think that's where you get your story. That's how you're able to just, like, feel like uh, – and so when I'm when I'm doing different um, different uh, interviews and things like that, you know, it's like and I created I had uh, gone to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was uh, a few months before uh, the year before Imaginative. Right. That was 2013. And uh, I gone in with a recorder and I recorded the survivor stories. Mm-hmm. And that was some of the most powerful um discussion i've ever heard you know i just like the horrors that these people have gone through well and that was some of the most you know the the most difficult time for me and you i mean we we went in there uh, you know you were doing some work for the eastern door yep we had jesse staniforth with us we had you know quite a a number of uh of journalists native and non-native and and all kind of meeting at this uh you know this place where yeah. I mean, what do you say about what? What do you say to people who survive residential school? Well, that's the thing. Is like when I, when me and Jesse, we were, were we sat in on the, on the survivor stories, and at one point, Jesse and uh, who's been on the show before, he's he's a really great guy. Dude, we miss you. You should be in that chair right there. You should be in that you chair. Better right be there. listening from Florida. Uh, if not, please listen to this uh, because people can listen to this afterwards, right? Yep. They can watch mm-hmm. this afterwards. Yep. So that was a thing is like, and Jesse was just was very overwhelmed and he was feeling it. And it's just, an, and I really appreciated his 
how he felt. I really, so mm-hmm. I, I, I helped him up and we, we went to the smudging room and we both, we sat down, we chatted, chatted for a bit and just like decompressed. Yeah. Uh, I think the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was really well thought out. I thought it was well done. Uh, unlike our missing and murdered Indigenous women inquiry, which is frankly, you know, a sh- can't hold a candle to to the TRC. But I would also add, though, the TRC. Uh, you know, one of the criticisms I had of it was mm. that people weren't actually able to get up there and name their abusers. That know? yeah, that just ticked me off. And, and it's like, and and some of the really powerful people. Um, I remember one woman in particular. I can't remember her name, but she was Micmac. Wow, she just got up there and she she just said this person abused me and you know this is BS and I'm going to tell my story. Nobody's going to silence me. And then people followed her and, and, yeah. and were able to open up. But yeah, there uh, were several. I heard several survivors uh, name their abusers and good. Yeah, and and can you like it was set up so they weren't supposed to be doing that. But how are you supposed to how are you supposed to really know the truth and move towards reconciliation? If it's not all on the table, so um, you know, I, I think that part was was uh, was a mistake. But mm-hmm. then you look at MIW, like you said, and it's kind of like it's been yeah. a bit of a disaster. <laughs> a bit of a disaster is kind of an understatement. Yeah, but yeah, no. When I that's why. So what I did was I took um, quotes from the from the survivor stories, mm-hmm. and I overlaid them, uh, created a music bed, and I overlaid them with the music. Because I wanted to create, I created it kind of in three parts. It was half an hour, half an hour doc, and it was the the music was kind of uh, much more traditional, and just like this is where a lot of the survivors were from. Mm-hmm. And then there was a lot more. Um, there was a, a more somber, more religious undertone kind of music, which talked about the horrors that a lot of these survivors went through. And the last part was. Uh, Less traditional, but more upbeat, uh, and saying, uh, which was saying, "You didn't kill me, mm-hmm. you didn't beat me, I won, you lost." And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, I think, is um, one thing that bothers me about the uh, about the whole justice system in this country is the fact that so many people have gotten away with so many hor- horrendous crimes in mm-hmm. this country. And it's be, and it's because they're white, and I don't care if people are going to disagree with me on this one. It's because they're white. Gerald Stanley got away with it because he was white. If he had been black, he would have been he would have gotten life in prison. Mm-hmm. Raymond Cornier was white. He got away with raping a fifteen year old girl. He admitted to sleeping with her. That is statutory rape, and he wasn't even convicted of that. And yet he still walked, mm-hmm. and, and they walked away because they're white. And because our people are, are in this country are considered less than human, mm-hmm. we are treated as such, and and you'll get your leaders going. No, 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 it's not that bad. Yes, it is. And I've I've always been astounded by uh, by a non uh, non person of color coming in and going. Well, it doesn't seem to be that bad. It's like you've never experienced. What our people have experienced, what people of color have mm-hmm. experienced, you know, talk to an African American man walking down the streets of Toronto, or walk talk to a homeless person sitting in Montreal, you know, and and talk to them and ask them how they're doing, mm-hmm. you know, ask them how many times were you stopped by the cops today? Well, and and you know, talking about that, you you've obviously done a lot of activism over mm-hmm. the years. You yeah. uh, Native Solidarity News, you talk about. 
issues affecting us, uh, injustice. But you try to package it in a way. Of course, you get angry, and and you and I have been on, uh, you know, a panel together, maybe a few panels together, mm-hmm. where you know you come out and you say, look, this is the truth, and if you don't believe it, then get the hell out of here, basically. But how do you? You also try to package it in a nice way to teach people, you know, non-natives yeah. of, of the reality of our communities. The only way that people are ever going to understand the issues is if they accept the issues. Mm-hmm. They have to start accepting it. Like truth and reconciliation will only happen when the truth really comes out. And the truth really hasn't come out. It's been whitewashed. And it really has. It's been whitewashed. And so, like, when I when I want to really bring out the hard-hitting uh, stories that I'm talking about people, I bring out, you know, I, talk, I bring out Nakuset. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like... Because Naku said is the kind of is the kind of person just like Ellen Gabriel, just like Cindy Blackstock, who are just these awesome, strong, strong women mm-hmm. who are just really like have seen what they've seen in their lives. Stand up and go, okay, you just did that, okay, and then roll up their sleeves and go, okay, now I'm going to hurt you. Yeah, and they're they're tough. I I am so. I I, my, I feel so blessed to have been able to speak and to call these these strong women friends because I think they the, the work that they do is astounding. Uh, especially uh, uh, Nakuset and, and Cindy Blackstock. You know Nakuset for what she has done in Montreal. I think is is a she must be she she should be applauded for the work that she has done in Montreal. For those of who, those of you who don't know, uh, Nagoset is the executive director of the Native Women's Association, Native mm-hmm. Women's Shelter, mm-hmm. and Sydney Blackstock has been fighting for many many years and has been targeted by the government and is fighting for child welfare. Um, mm-hmm. She's the executive director of the um, what's the big long title? First Nations uh, uh, First Nations Child and Family Caring Child Society. and Family Caring Society, and uh, she's been in the news. I mean, obviously in our papers pretty much uh, just the beginning all over the place and she never stopped and I, I always admired her courage and I met her one time um, at the APTN studios in Ottawa and uh, you know she's just a, a small woman she's tiny and she's packed such a big punch you know and, and, and I guess they always say those are the ones you have to watch out for but of course um, you're no longer going to be able to talk to them so how do you feel about that you know, powerful women like that um, no I'm, I'm not going to be able to um and when I say talk, I know you're going to be able to talk to them, but you're not going to be able to bring them on air and interview them. And well, go. that's the thing. It's like a little later on this summer, I'm going to be starting a new podcast called um, Uprising, mm-hmm. uh, which I will be. That that's the thing. It's like I'm only. It's only in its planning stages right now, but um, I'm working on a a documentary series uh, of strong women. Mm-hmm. Where I am, I sit down with Ellen Gabriel. I sit down with Cindy Blackstock. I sit down with Alanisa Bumsawin, who I've interviewed a couple of times. Who is just this phenomenal bolt of energy, uh, uh, creative energy. She's just such a wonderful soul, uh, and I'm creating this series of just like these uh, with these strong women, and they're not going to just be elders, but they're going to just. I want to introduce. Uh, I want to introduce my public to. Uh, women who uh, uh, like um, Nina Segalowitz, mm-hmm. you know, uh, another woman who's uh, who like my sister, you know, she's she's mm-hmm. my sister from another mystery, you know, she's just a phenomenal force. If anyone know? out there doesn't like Nina, 
then you introduce have the them problem. to me. <laughs> yeah, they, introduce they, them they to are me the ones with the problem. I will set you straight. It's actually impossible not to like. You know. But that's the thing. It's like Nina is an inspiration to me, just like my sister's an inspiration to me. My own, my own flesh and blood sister Yanishka, uh, who's a who's a mom of three beautiful children, and is just perfect in in every stretch of the imagination. Just the, for me, she's just she's uh, and Nina it reminds me of my sister because Nina has children of her own mm-hmm. and wakes up every morning. As tough as life can be, whenever life is throwing anything at her, she just was like, yeah, I just roll up my sleeves. Because that's what indigenous women do, you know? Just like they roll up their sleeves and they go, yeah, come on. Yeah. And that's one thing I've always impressed with uh, with Nina, with so many, like uh, Sedalia, mm-hmm. uh, a great healer. Um, I've been in the lodge with her. Uh, she's just one of these... Sedalia is one of these forces that have just remind me of just like wow of my own mother. Mm-hmm. Sedalia Fazio, for those of you who don't yeah, know. Yeah, Sedalia Fazio. Um, I the reason I'm on a one yeah, name because is because we, we, we know each <laughs> we know the same people. And, and again, Sedalia, I mean, if you meet her, she's just such a exactly. force to be reckoned with, and she's she's yeah. a powerful. Uh, she fights for for our rights, for our language, for mm-hmm. you know. I mean, she's been in the paper more in the last. Uh, you know, six months and uh, most women in their lifetime. I mean, she's just, exactly. she's up there. She's the elder. She's the support. You know, she's the, the one that is supporting people, especially at MIW. Um, mm. And, you know, that, to get that kind of, um, of a person to have your back, that's it's an amazing thing. Well, also just, uh, I realized, like, I lost my mom 23 years ago uh, to heart problems. And... Being part of this show, that's one thing I loved about this show, was that it brought me closer together to the aunts and the uh, the aunties that I didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, like Sedalia, like the sisters, like Nina and and Nakuset, and and all these other great, uh, all these other great strong women. I realized that my mother may have been gone, but my family is still here. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you, my brother, you know, it's just like Jesse, you know, and, and, and John Cree and all these other great, uh, these, all the, all these other great people that I've, I've had the pleasure, like Clifton, uh, Nicholas, mm-hmm. uh, just, I've had a pleasure of just like meeting through this show. And any of those women will give you hell, just like your exactly. Auntie. No, they will They'll not. Don't screw up. <laughs> I will you. not screw up. <laughs> like they will let me know. And and you know what? I appreciate that because it te- um, because each and every one of those women taught me to be a better indigenous man. That's, every one of them. That's amazing. They just 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 through the way that they carried themselves, the way they uh, the way they speak in life, the mm-hmm. way they 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 show the world who they are, taught me that I needed the problems I had and just was like, okay, I got issues, but, you know, they're definitely tougher than I am. And <laughs> and they're just such a wonderful bunch of, of, of people that I've, I've had the pleasure of knowing. And you know what? It's like, you know, uprising is going to start when a, uh, in a few months, and um, I'm going to hopefully, you know, Nakusets... Ellen, Nina, please come down and sit uh, sit with me and and tell me your story because um, I'm never going to shut up. 
Oh, that's true. I could vouch for that. <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm just like I'm, and I'm gonna I'm gonna miss this this station. You know, it's like mm-hmm. this is a, this has been my part of my life for for 13 years. You know, and, and you know, there's there's so many great people that have that have gone through here. Like my um, my friend Aaron, who used to be the news coordinator before Gao, mm-hmm. and um, you know, there's there's Louise up uh, upstairs. And there's uh, all these uh, Tamara and and all these wonderful people that have passed through the halls of this great station because this station has been uh, has been a beacon of hope in this city. And let's face it, you know, Mix ninety six, CKGM, whatever the those mainstream radio stations, they got nothing on us, <laughs> nothing. Every year when Best of Montreal comes out, who tops everything? We do. Why? Because we're the bomb. We, we are the bomb. And also... There's a humble or, or Carbelliars right there. Exactly. <laughs> but also there's just like, there's, uh, there's shows like uh, Soul Perspectives, which comes up, uh, is coming up next. Like I've had Kim Dominic Ferguson on the show when we wanted to talk about racism in the media after Colton Bushy. And that was a great show. That was a great hour that we had uh, with, uh, with him, uh, Matt Cabway and Jason C. McLean. Uh, some great, great people that we've had uh, mm. the opportunity to 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 interview. But I'm not going anywhere. My writing is, but my writing is going somewhere. You're leaving CKUT, but you're going to be doing something equally important. Exactly. And this is the last Native Solidarity News. Sir Carbelliars is signing off after 13 years. What do you take from the show? Um, humility. I think that's one thing I take from this show, that I came, when I started here, I was a very angry individual. Now that I've learned to temper that anger with some wisdom, and the only reason I was able to uh, temper that wisdom was because... Temper uh, that anger. Don't temper temper, the wisdom. Yeah, I mean, temper (laughs) that anger. He got distracted because the door opened. (laughs) The door opened. Um, The reason I was able to temper that anger was because the wisdom I learned from Ellen... Nakuset, Nina, uh, Sedalia, uh, Cindy, uh, Teresa Ducharme. I forgot to mention Teresa Ducharme. Teresa Ducharme, who's been on the show, who is a phenomenal human being. Another, sh- who was also I met through the Sisters in Spirit, which mm-hmm. just um, has been uh, such a, f- a driving force in Indigenous health mm-hmm. throughout the North. Lemon yep. Cree. Lemon Cree, yeah. Yes. You, you, if you haven't interviewed her, please interview her. She is a phenomenal human being. But I've met, I've been able to temper my life. My life has gotten so much better because of the people that I've interacted with. Like Andre Morisot in, in Toronto, uh, who introduced me to the beauty of indigenous culture from around the world, mm. thanks to Imaginative. Um, the National Campus Radio Association, where I got to meet indigenous programmers like Ganaji O'Sullivan on the other on the West Coast, uh, Janet Rogers, I got to meet through the NCRA, and Janet, my sister, I love you to bits. Uh, next time you're in Montreal, I need you in the hot seat so that we, you and I can have a nice long conversation about life because you know what I miss you. And um, but you know I'm I'm leaving the show knowing that. Wayne Robinson and Trina Slapkoff are going to be taking very good care of it, awesome. and uh, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. It will be. You know, now I'm going to write I'm going to write more poetry, play more World of Warcraft. 
<laughs> because I've got 10 days off, you know, it's the Easter <laughs> break, so I've got 10 days off, so I'm going to just like really chill out. Just slow it down in the World of Warcraft for a little bit. Oh, no, 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 there's no <laughs> such thing. Just, sorry, like uh, there are World of Warcraft fans across the world screaming at that statement yeah, right now. Yeah, I know. Sorry, guys. But um, uh, yeah, no, it's been, it's been a blast. Urkar Beliars, 13 years Native Solidarity News. We are going to sign off. I'm your host, Steve Bonspiel, and I think we're on time. Urkar keeps looking. You can't get the host out of him. He keeps looking at the time. Nope, you cannot. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you for allowing me to host, and uh, I wish you good luck. Of course, I'm going to see you all over the place. So I can't get rid of you, but uh, nope, you know, nope. I'm going to be there for to, to listen to your poems, to read your stuff, and to uh, offer support and critique uh, when I can. So I think that's that's my role as your friend, and I thank you so much for uh, you know for coming into my life and and teaching me many lessons as well. Thank you for and and thank you, Steve. Uh, it's been a pleasure.